Welcome to the Sabbath School Rescue Podcast with your host, Buster Swoops and Michael Campbell. This week in preparation for Sabbath, October 8th, we look at Lesson 2, Death in a Sinful World. Together, let's go back to the in the beginning and find out God's provision and plan to save as many as possible. The Sabbath School Rescue Podcast is hosted by Michael Campbell and Buster Swoops at Southwestern Adventist University. We love learning and sharing God's Word, and together we have 18 years of pastoral experience, and now we have the privilege to dig deeper into this study. Okay, here we are, Lesson 2, Death in a Sinful World, and we're looking at Romans chapter 5, verse 12, New King James Version. For our memory text, it says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. Uh, Romans 5, verse 12, once again. Uh, and I, I word. Go ahead, Michael. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> I was just saying we're diving into a rather dreadful topic, but it's a very important one. <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, back you to know, you, it, exactly. And uh, I was just sharing with uh, the class, uh, even yesterday, talking about this very text, uh, Adama, right? Adam and Eve, humanity, they failed, but God, or through Christ, of course, succeeded. I'm so grateful for that. And so Michael starts off with statements intention on Sunday's lesson. Yeah, absolutely. So there are two statements that our lesson really has us uh, talking about. And by the way, I want to give a little shout out because we're into the second week of this quarter. Uh, but earlier this week, I had the privilege to interview the primary contributor uh, for the lesson for this week, uh, Dr. Alberto Tim. So just those of you listening in, watch for that bonus episode. Don't miss out because uh, yes, Dr. Indeed. Tim tells actually some of his own personal story of why this topic is just so important for him on a very personal level. So uh, make sure you you don't miss out. He, by the way, is just, a, just a, again, a little shout out. He's the Associate Biblical Research Institute um, uh, Associate Director and and so he's one of our leading scholars in the denomination, but also just a really down-to-earth, nice guy. And I know that our listeners will will love that. So don't don't miss that that special episode. So uh, back to these two statements in tension. These two statements both come from Genesis. And as we were kind of chatting for a little bit uh, beforehand, uh, Buster, that we've actually talked about these verses quite a bit, it seems, in the last couple of quarterlies, because yeah. I, I guess it's just so foundational, right, to, to everything else. And yes. uh, the first one in the beginning, is right? God in the beginning, where it all began. So our identity and everything else, God created us, and he didn't really ask that much of us. And, and verse 16 of chapter 2 of Genesis reading from the NIV says you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. And then verse 17, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it, you cert will certainly die. And so God's given some parameters, some boundaries we might say. Right. And, and it wasn't because God was like, Hey, I want to um, keep something from you. I'm hiding something good, you know, like a, hiding some candy or something, <laughs> right? And you can just only find it. It's it's uh, it's to keep something good from you. It's because God actually wants to keep something really, really, really bad because he loves us so much. And 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 part of it relates to just human freedom. Right. God has given us the ability to choose. If he didn't do that, we would just be basically machines. I know, again, this these are common recurring themes that we've talked about in, in recent quarterlies, but but it's so important for us to understand. And 
And then, of course, there is the actual fall itself, which it talks about, you know, and ask the question, put yourself in the position of Eve. Uh, why might those words have sounded convincing? Well, uh, that I'm not sure exactly, but <laughs> but I guess uh, if we understood that, we'd understand uh, uh, evil itself, right? But right. Uh, Eve has this moment of doubt, of of distrusting the word of God, what God has asked. And uh, in that moment of doubt uh, is is really where sin comes to this earth. Of course, we know the origin of sin comes from Lucifer all the way back to when when uh, a third of the angels and, and everything else are cast out of heaven. So there is this questioning of the character of God, this questioning of 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 God's moral authority and the government of God. Uh, and so all of those kinds of things um, are, um, they, they matter. They matter a great deal. They really do. And, and, and here Eve is uh, the usurping and the questioning of the character of God is the same at the heart, the core um, of, of Eve questioning the character of God uh, and, or questioning what God has asked and, and the, the implication thereof. And so uh, the, the, the serpent directly challenges God, right? Uh, did not God say in verse two of chapter three, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. So this is aura of doubt. And, right. and then he goes on, you will not certainly die. So mm-hmm. again, questioning, okay, the, the, what God says, he says, you know, this is the consequences. And then the serpent's like, well, not really, you know, look at yeah, it's, it's like, I'm fine. <laughs> And, and, and of course, as a result, we have the entrance of sin to this earth. And um, there is this uh, questioning here. And I know I've started talking a little bit about it. I think may, I may have gotten a little ahead of you, Buster. But on Monday's lesson, it talks about this idea of deception, being deceived by the serpent. No, no Michael, I appreciate you set me up very nicely. And it's uh, I, I'm going to make this very poignant, which is deceived by the serpent and ask this question, what it what criteria did Eve use to choose between God's word and that of the serpent? And I think it correlates directly to us today. I'm just going to start in verse six, uh, Genesis three, verse six, I should say. The woman stared at the fruit, contemporary English version. The woman stared at the fruit. It looked beautiful and tasty, and she wanted the wisdom would give her, and she ate some of the fruit. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> uh, and the reason why I shared that is because she utilized her senses and she utilized her logic or her rationalization to say, it looks good, smells good. I'm sure it tastes good. And he promised me wisdom that would come from it. So I will be like God. And I think about our own lives. How many times has the word said something for me about me to my life? And I chose to say, you know what? It looks good. It smells good. It probably tastes good or it probably, you know, what we use our senses and we use our emotion and we use our logic. And the lesson says here at the bottom of the lesson to rationalize or justify our sinful choices. Mm. And we have to choose. And I, I know it can be dangerous on this too, Michael, but we have to choose God's word and stand firm on it. And, it, and it's not out of a method of being uh, legalistic either, by the way. This is saying, God, you know better than me. And I submit myself to your will. I Mm. submit myself to your understanding and help me to understand and help me to stop justifying the things that I do and help help my emotions to stop leading me. Right. Emotions are part of the decision. Uh, God doesn't want us to be emotionless robots, 
but we can't allow our emotions to lead us and direct us in everything that we do. Uh, and we can't allow our logic <laughs> to, to lead us in everything we do. Uh, the springboard, the foundation of our decisions has to be consulting with God's word and God himself and also with the priesthood of believers. And so let us not fall into that same trap of being deceived because of not even the serpent. Sometimes it's our own selfish selfishness, our, our own selfish ambitions. Uh, but yeah. let's uh, have the foundation of the word that we spring off of. Uh, mm. So, so Michael, you already talked about it as well. Genesis three, verse four, you will not die. Yeah. So, so great, great, question here, right? Because this is at the core of the disbelief of, of God. And I think this is the core fundamental question that everybody has, right? That right. Uh, what is what does this mean? Because all of us in our humanity ask the question, are we, um, you know, what, what happens after death? And, and, and of course, everyone hopes in some kind of form in some kind of afterlife. They, they want to believe that this is not all there is there has to be something more what about loved ones that have passed away what about their own existential needs you know uh facing one's own mortality right so these right. these are these kinds of questions and i i think that um and it talk asks about you know how has this been repeated through the ages many many different ways but i think the, the heart of this in the modern era is still um being repeated you know I'm, and i'm thinking specifically about the rise of, of for example, mo excuse me, modern spiritualism. Okay. Uh, and we have that in the 19th century, uh, the same time that Adventism is is arising. You have 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 spiritualist mediums that are claiming to have seances and be able to talk with the dead. I, I recently discovered the uh, interesting story of a lady by the name of Jenny uh, Jenny Trembley. Uh, later, she marries a guy, um, and she goes by Jenny Tremblay Richards, and she was the second woman in Adventist history to earn a medical degree. And so kind of very, very talented young lady, wrote and edited, uh, working at the Review and Herald in the 1870s. So I got to throw in a little Adventist history for Excellent. us. Excellent. No, I her. always love it. And uh, intriguingly, she was a spiritualist medium. Oh no! Actually having seances and things like that, and talking to her guide, her 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 uh, messenger guide. And one time, uh, someone actually gave her a piece of Adventist literature, the Signs of the Times. Right. And she asked her medium guide about it, and would not talk with her about any of this kind of stuff. You know, basically warning her against it. And eventually. Uh, she realizes that that the all of these things are just lies. Mm. They're lies. And then as she becomes anchored in a new worldview based upon scripture, she repudiates that. And she actually becomes an Adventist, is converted. And that's when she becomes makes a great contribution in early Adventists. But amazing story of a spiritualist medium. And, and all of these things, Ellen White warns the, as deceptions of Satan, of the devil. And, and, and we see these in, in various times and places across all of human history where the devil comes along, wants you to believe, hey, you're not going to really die. And, and part of it is uh, Alberto Tim. Uh, observes this contrast with uh, Socrates from the Republic of Plato, right? Uh, is this idea of the human body, the human body that, uh, and so for, uh, uh, he refers to uh, Plato's uh, Phaedo, um, are you not aware that our soul is immortal and never perishes? 
right? And so this is the idea. And this is this is why he takes the uh, Socrates will eventually take the poison and kill himself because he wants to be released from this physical body. And he will then experience whatever he needs to this immortal life and will be freed from this this body uh, right. and, and that's the same lie that's the same lie that uh that that we need to be freed and, and, and in contrast um death is not a friend it is an enemy the bible teaches death is an enemy you will not die that's a lie from satan death was never god's plan and we are to fight against it it's a struggle Obviously, we have to embrace it until Jesus comes again and puts away sin and death, but it's not something that we welcome. We repudiate, we resist it because mm. we have value because God has created us. And Amen. so those that teach the immortality of the soul or any other kind of way to immortality other than Jesus Christ, it is a lie. Yeah, it and, is and a I'm lie. And I'm saying agreement in there because our eyes need to be open to the dangers of believing the lies, right? And so, man, open up our eyes, open up our ears, and once again, go back to the word, find out what God's what God is calling us to, what God is uh, asking us to to see, and He can help us to see through some of those falsehoods, some of those lies, and not mm -hmm. partake in them. Uh, so this kind of leads us through the lesson to Wednesday's lesson, the consequences of sin. So it kind of takes us a little bit uh, full circle as we're kind of working through this process. Buster, talk, us, talk to us about these consequences. It, you know, I, the the audience today is probably pretty familiar with this, um, but there's a word in this lesson that uh, Dr. Tim brought up, which is theophobia. Right. Uh, I've heard a lot of the consequences being cast out of the garden, uh, toiling the ground, uh, also uh, birth. Right. Right. Pain and birth. But this idea of theophobia, being afraid of God, hiding ourselves away from God as a result of sin. And I think about how many people, especially Michael working here at the university of our young people that have this and they don't even realize they have it. But they're so afraid of who God is. I, I am having Bible studies with uh, two sisters, an 11-year-old, and I think the other one is 13. And uh, they're talking about being afraid of the second coming. And as wow. I'm going through with them, talking to them, I was like, why, 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 do you, why are you afraid? Like, well, it seems kind of scary. And what if God's not happy with me? What if I'm a part of the people that die? And so we talked about the assurance of salvation and having a relationship with God. And I said, are you afraid when your dad comes home? They have a wonderful father. So I, I was I was comfortable asking them that. They're like, no, we love when he comes home. I was like, well, that's why we call him our father, which art in heaven, right? Uh, that's yeah. why Jesus is, is, is our savior. He's our Lord. So this is not someone we are afraid of. This is someone we're looking forward to being reunited with. This is a, a reunion. Uh, and, and so part of the consequences of theophobia is that we don't get over that fear until we experience and know God on a deeper yeah. level. Yeah. And to be honest with you, Michael, it's whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son does not have life, but it's, and, and she said, well, what does it mean to have him? And, and the, the, the key is here. Mm -hmm. Having Christ is not going to church is not reading your Bible is not just praying because you can do all those things and still not have God. You can still do all those things and not have Christ. But when you have a relationship and a relationship flows two ways, he speaks, you listen, you speak, God listens. And there's this communication that goes back and forth. Yeah. Uh, and, and by the way, don't 
go off saying uh pastor spoops or buster goes through and he he talks to god and he's there so he's a little crazy well you can call me whatever you want to but i do know this god speaks through many different avenues and ways yeah my i i try to strive that my relationship is not one way when he prompts me to do something i i try to do it i don't always do it i fail many times but i do mm-hmm. know that he's there and that he wants me and that i want him and that i want to do his will and his bidding right and yeah. so that's a, a relationship uh we talked we've we, we've used this example so many times michael you can't be married and say i'll see you once a week uh, and I'll live over here. You live over there. I'll see you once a week. No, that's not going to work. Uh, there's this, this, this osmosis that happens back and forth, this oscillation. And as you go forth in that relationship, you get to know each other better. And so I, I'm asking the, the audience today, one of the, cons- the greatest consequences of sin, that, that theophobia, that it actually, you get over it, right? Because you're in a deeper relationship and you're not afraid of the second coming. You're not afraid of hell's fire. Uh, you're driven by love and not by fear. Uh, mm. And so I mentioned those other consequences, but I think that's a big one that stood out to me today. And so with that being said, with that uh, consequence of sin comes the first gospel promise. So, Michael, take us there. Yeah. And I'm so glad that, Buster, you kind of uh, shifted over about you know how... You know, like, for example, these young people were thinking about uh, their father and, and they have a good positive example. Right. That right. Not everybody has that. And, and no. so I think that's, you know, that's also a reality is, is it can be a struggle when when there aren't healthier dynamics of, of family relationships that um, not that that every parent symbolizes that. But there there is maybe even subconsciously there is that that struggle because thank you for sharing that Mike. all of us fall short, you know, and, and yet God, he doesn't, he loves us. He loves us with that everlasting love. And, and that's why we need to come back to scripture to give us our biblical bearings as to where we are going so that we can really understand. And, and so you have this promise. This is, you know, some people, you know, talk about John three sixteen being the, the most famous text in, in the new Testament. Well, this is kind of the same thing, but in the old Testament, uh, although it's, it's Genesis uh, three, starting in verse 15, uh, you have this uh, description for us of what's going to happen. And in verse 15, it talks about enmity between you and the woman and her offspring and yours and and hers, excuse me, and he will crush your heel or your head and you will strike his heel. So this, this kind of uh, reference here, that's, that's uh, so symbolic and so prophetic and, uh, and, and you have this recognizing a recognition, um, because God actually goes out and seeks them and looks for them, right? And 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 when He finds them, He He gives this promise, right? And right. Um, in fact, He even clothes them. Verse twenty-one. That's talking about God providing garments because He they finally discover they're naked. You know that that covering light and everything else uh, before sin. Uh, now their eyes were open. They saw everything now in a new and completely different kind of way. And so they they really were naked, not only physically, but spiritually. But God gives them garments. And I, I think that's a beautiful symbol, once again, that God wanted to provide, even after sin, uh, that shelter and and for them to realize that in his love, his redemptive love, that he still cares for each and every one of them. And so that's, that's a big part of what this is uh, talking about here. And, uh, and then of course the, the last part of Thursday's lesson talks about this beautiful promise, second Corinthians five 21 short Mm -hmm. verse here. 
God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Of so God. this is the fulfillment of Genesis 3, 15 and 16, a uh, beautiful promise of what God has in store for us. And Hebrews 9, 28 parallels this. Uh, I'll read it because it's also really short. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Amen. So beautiful promises of God's uh, great act of love, his graciousness uh, through the person of Jesus Christ coming in his own person to be crucified for us, to be sacrificed for us, to take away the sins of this world. And not only that, he will vanquish sin and death when he comes again. That's that promise while we are patiently waiting for him um, that, that that day will indeed come and it will be truly a beautiful day. Amen. And I can't wait for that day. And uh, hopefully our audience is looking forward to that day as well, right? Yeah, no more hurricanes too, right? Oh, yes. Pray, praying for everyone that's in Puerto Rico, uh, Cuba, Florida. Uh, praying that uh, not only do you make it through, but uh, the repair process, the recovery process is it's as smooth hard. as possible. Yeah, it is hard. It's it's hard. And and these kinds of things remind us of our mortality. But the, even more than that, we know that should uh, death reach our doorsteps, that we are a people of hope. And yes. so we want to keep coming back to that because I know the lesson's going to come full circle. I know we're talking a lot about death right now, but but hold with us, uh, listening. <laughs> those of you listening in, that that we're going to come and and just hold on to that promise. Amen. Well, I think that puts a wrap on another week, Buster. We've had a lot of fun uh, as we're diving into this lesson, and uh, there's a lot more to unpack. Uh, this is one of our core fundamental beliefs, what we understand it about is. death, dying, uh, and the hope that we have. And so it's great that we can actually have a lesson, a quarter that that uh, deals with this. And um, anything else that you want to add, Buster? No, Michael, I, I think that covers it all. And like like you said, hang on because there's, there's more. <laughs> There's more. All right. Yes. Well, that's it for another week. So this is uh, Soup. And Swoops. Signing, Signing out. out. As we put a wrap on this week's lesson, this is Campbell Swoops signing off. By the way, we want to give a shout out to our sponsors, the Southwestern Union of Seventh-day Adventists and Southwestern Adventist University, which has for over 125 years provided a Christ-centered education just 20 minutes south of Fort Worth, Texas. We love teaching with personable colleagues, offer quality academics, and provide numerous ways to get involved both on campus and across the globe. To learn more, visit swahu.edu or check us out on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Also, be sure to join us again next week as we continue to explore God's Word. You can make sure not to miss an episode by joining us at sabbathschoolrescue.org.